is constant communion with God even possible? And if so, is that even a reasonable expectation for us to have in this day and age? It's so common that we get to this point where we're rushing and rushing and we're busy and we stack up our schedule with good things. We're stacking up our schedule with church volunteering and great jobs and and working with our kids and connecting with friends. And in all of the midst of that, we can get so caught up in what we're doing that we forget the bigger reason for us to be doing what we're doing, the bigger reason that we even exist. I believe that it's possible and preferable to be in constant communion with God. And that's actually what he calls us to do. And it's our job to figure out how to work in our relationship with God into our actions of our everyday, rather than having to set apart time with him aside from everything else that we're doing. I'm Cabrina. And I'm Garrett. I'm Alec. And join us as we go Beyond the Veil. Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Veil. Today we are... Uh, doing one of our first bonus episodes, so we normally have a season format. We go over a big theme. This uh, season two was over covering the face and what it looks like to find deep connection with God. So it only makes sense that our bonus episodes, which are going to be interviews or having a guest uh, with us, um, only makes sense that it goes over um, connecting with God. And so today we're actually going to be looking at what we call tools of connection. Essentially, we always find that um, the truth of things is much deeper than it seems. And we know that the truth of our reality is that we were made for deep connection. But we often find that as we go through business, like Caprina said in the monologue, that um, the experience of connection doesn't match what it should be. And so how do we get there is really the question. You got it. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of if thinking through if the goal is centering our centering our life around Christ and focusing on him i think the first step is practicing what it looks like to just straight yeah. be with god like i can say that at this point in my life i mean I'm spending time with God all the time, like in every moment when I'm driving or when I'm, especially when I'm, I work with kids a lot. And so anytime I'm interacting with a kid, there's just this, this conversation with God that's like, okay, God, what do they need right now? What, what's the need behind what they're doing? And there's just a constant conversation happening, but it didn't always flow that naturally. Like mm. I think a lot of the ease in terms of my relationship with God now is due to a few years back in like 2019, 2020, I intentionally spent like as much time as I possibly could in silence and solitude with God, which I'm a very people oriented person. I like to be out and doing things and loud and, and had probably multiple jobs at the time and all of them were chaotic. Um, and so taking the time out of my day to just sit and to hear God's voice and to understand how he talks to me and what that sounds like has really laid a foundation so that now that, you know, 2020 was a weird year for everybody. I had a lot more free time then than I do now, but that foundation that was laid has carried into where I'm at now, where I can go, no, I know what the voice of God sounds like and I know that I can fill my day a little bit more and still be in communion with him. Yeah. And that's the core of things. Um, I think there's, well, first of all, um, cause we haven't really introduced Cabrina properly. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> she's, in. she's, uh, <laughs> one of my, Ale one of mine and Alex's closest friends. We, uh, play Catan, uh, a lot. We, uh, hang out a lot. We talk about God a lot. And so, um, it made sense for her to come on here and be the share, first one, be the first bonus episode. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, as you kind of heard her speak, she, um, is a bit of a prayer warrior is what she's known for being, but also somebody that really, um, has a lot of wisdom when it comes to connection. And so, um, we're 
betting on the fact that this would be really edifying for you guys. And so, yeah, um, life is crazy, lots going on. Um, and there's kind of this interesting progression of the spiritual journey for people. It's kind of this discovery of God and this initial uncovering of the reality of things, what we were made for, but then there's kind of this progression. And I read a prayer book about um, how prayer progresses for believers. You kind of notice the pattern where it starts off with you don't really have the words to say. Um, you don't really know how to talk to this God that um, you're supposed to be in deep connection with. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of progress to you say a lot, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> and um, you get in the prayer circle, you hear someone that's a new Christian. It's beautiful when they start uh, feeling comfortable praying out loud, but it's a lot and it's um, in different directions. But it's like this grand, just like you recognize there's so much out there. You want to like pray to God about all of it. But then there's this progression where it goes from that to more specific stuff, um, just more simple stuff. And there's even like this level where people get to this silent prayer where it's not even with words anymore. Um, Mother Teresa is a good example. A lot of monks are good examples of that. But yeah, um, Alec, oh, any opening thoughts on tools of connection? Yeah, I think just one that Cabrina had mentioned. And honestly, the most important one to me is like hearing the Father's voice. Because once you have that, it's like you have a foundation for everything now. Um, and I know whenever I first started like my journey with God, it was a lot of like, okay, am I hearing you, God? Is this you? Like, what do you sound like? Like, I'm so excited. I know that I hear you. However, I don't know, like, what you sound like yet. Um, And so it was a lot of, like, you know, kind of trial and error running through those kinds of things. And it's like, okay, um, you can sort of put it into boxes. It's like, okay, I know what God's character is uh, from Scripture. And, like, through constant pursuit of Him, if it sounds like this, this is what it is. Um, and I think that was a really good way for me initially to start going around things like, okay, this is like, you know, edifying and relieving, peaceful. It's probably God. Um, and, you know, Joel says this all the time. Um, but that's just like switching the way that we think in our minds. Um, like just being prepared to hear God's voice. Like, oh, it, it's probably me, but it could be God. And switching that to, it's probably God, but it could be me. Because now I'm expectant. Now I'm like, oh, I'm hearing God. So like, oh, it's probably him. Then you kind of run it through that filter of like, is it me? Is it him? Something else. Um, And so, yeah, I think to me, like, that's just the the foundation of it. If you have a solid foundation, then you can start building your house. Yeah. So we're going to hop in and just give you guys tools, talk through experiences. And so this is kind of the progression of today that... Um, first, we have to recognize where we're at, what's the reality of things, that there is deep connection, there is union made by the cross, and that it's actually a figment of our imagination not to have that in every single moment. But then we want to figure out um, how to be aware of that, but also uh, participate with that. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah one of the first things that um, comes to mind for me is what I call getting centered. And it's probably, you know, pretty... Um, popular thing that people do or, or common thing people do, but maybe you call it a different thing. But for me, getting centered basically means, hey, life is crazy. Things are going on. Emotions are happening. Um, and somewhere in that, I lose sight of the fact of God being present. And so it's like losing your balance. You don't realize that you don't have your balance um, or even that your balance exists until you don't have it. And so walking around, um, standing upright, being able to do normal day functions, um, you wouldn't even recognize that you're missing your balance until it's gone. And so um, I think of God as just like the solid footing. And so my goal is always, hey, I got to find solid footing for what's happening right now, that um, even in the slightest problems to the biggest problems, to the um, normal routine, to my life is falling apart, I need to get centered on God because in that actually going to begin to see things rightly. Yeah, absolutely. I also think in that there's kind of like the way I work is like you said, like you can't tell you're off balance Mm -hmm. until you fall. And that's a hundred percent true for me. Like I 
people have their go-to ways of numbing and they're all different or whatever. Um, and I learned a couple years back of like, oh, when I don't want to feel something and I don't want to be present in my body or in my relationship with God or even with other people who I know are going to hold me accountable, I'm going to work every second of the day that I possibly can. And if I'm not working in a job, oh my gosh, (laughs) I was, I was in high school literally a high school student, like 17, 18 years old. And I had three, four different jobs and I was volunteering at church upwards of 10, 15 hours a week. And I was just going, going, going and didn't even realize that I was setting myself up for burnout or that I was like, I hadn't had a conversation with God, hadn't even checked in with him in months until I graduated, took off a few of those jobs and crashed and burned. And like, crash for like a good month month and a half and so I think that's kind of hopefully it's not where everybody starts but that's where I started was like oh my gosh I didn't even know I was setting myself up for failure that hard and then I remember the next time it happened it was I was kind of in a rough situation in relationship with some people who weren't necessarily helping the issue um for about a year and then I got out of that situation and looked back and was like oh my gosh like I lost myself completely I don't know what happened there I didn't even feel myself going away until now and then I remember having a moment actually just a few months ago um where I'd been feeling off for probably two weeks and there was something that God was asking me to do that I didn't really want to do and but I just felt so off. I was like, something is wrong. What is happening? And I realized in worship at church, like, oh, I'm doing the numbing thing. I am Mm -hmm. like taking myself out of this situation. I'm ignoring what God's asked me to do because I don't want to do it. So I had this moment where I talked to God and was like, hey, you're right. Like that is the right choice. And I'm only avoiding it because it's more fun to not do what you're saying, but I don't want to live that way. And so I was able to have a conversation I need to have and stop doing the thing and was able to come back to myself. And this time it was only two weeks and it was actually such an encouraging thing because I was like, oh, the last time this happened, it took a year for me to realize what was going on. And this time it took two weeks. And then ever since then, like, I think you just start seeing those telltale signs even quicker. You get to this point of desperation with God where like I remember this last time. It's like God, I am, I'm starving for you. Like I can't function without you. I don't want to separate myself from you. And it wasn't like at any point in that process he turned his back or like took a two week vacation. It was me going, I don't want to listen to what you have to say. Therefore, I'm not going to talk to you at all because I know you're going to tell me something I don't want to hear. And then having to come back and be like. I always want to talk to you. I never want to have that moment. So I think that's a big part of the very start of learning what it looks like to be in constant communion with God is notice the telltale signs that disconnection is starting to happen. And that's actually, that's a process that like takes a little bit to catch on to. Yeah. And I think it's the entire idea of like, we often times will make God the enemy in our own heads but it's like he's never once made us the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Side note, did y'all ever have a point with God where you had like a uh, a false promise kind of thing going on where it's like, God, I promise if you do this for me, I will never do this ever again. How many sticks in the ground if I put? Yeah, literally. I think my last one, I actually did really good about not doing it was during COVID like a year ago where I was like, God, I feel like I'm dying right now. However, I'm not going to make you any promises because I know that I will not keep them. <laughs> like, it, let's just get that out of the way. Like, I know that you're going to heal me. But if I said, like, God, I promise that I'll stop doing this if you heal me, I'm not going to dig myself into that hole. So, um, but I think that's, like, the beauty of, like, relationship with him, too. It's, like, he knows, like, hey, you said something you probably didn't mean at the time. You know, you were maybe hallucinating a little bit because of how sick you were. Um, <laughs> fever is something else. Yeah, bro, those fever <laughs> dreams hit differently when you know the Lord. Um, but yeah, just the, just the community with Jesus of like, hey, let's let's think about what you're actually saying and like what you actually want. And on the other side of that, it's like, oh yeah, God knows our heart and our desires and he's never going to overwhelm us with things. So it's like, God, I could be asking you for all these things and he knows like the timing of if I'm going to receive it at all or when to give it to me. Um, Cause 
yeah, I mean, he just knows like mm. the perfect time to lay that into my lap. So it's like yeah. the time that I grew with him while I was sick, had he cut that short, like I wouldn't have gotten as close as I did. And I wouldn't have had to like rely on him as much had he yeah. just fixed it right then and there. And that's really the progression of relationship where you're at one point and the truth of things are at another and God's pulling you in his direction towards yeah. it. And so kind of what you've described, Arena, I think is true for um, the reality for a lot of people where there's kind of two extremities of disconnection in which I would point it out, like in a way it's like really in our own minds, we mm-hmm. find disconnection. Um, yeah. The truth is no disconnection, but like inexperientially we've caused a sense of disconnection on two extremities, I think. And number one is the extreme of busyness and um, finding our own ways to handle things, this individualism, this self-reliance, this go do it, do it, do it. And the other end is going to be escapism and numbing. And what's really interesting about this spectrum, I would say, is you find that it's not just a linear thing, but it's actually a circular thing. And both those things end up being the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you might be the busiest body in the room, and you might be the person that does absolutely nothing. But the truth is, you're probably doing it for the same reason. Mm-hmm. And what we need to find is to get centered. How do we get from away from these extremities and go, you know what, like, there's stuff to go do with God, but there's no performance needed. And I think kind of too, um, what you guys are getting into is something that I think is really what we could say is putting language to our experience. And there's something really interesting when you put language to your experience, now you're able to actually process and understand where you're at. And that's what this whole thing is about, about getting centered. It's like being able to find language for where you're at so that you can process. Um, And so early in your journey, you might find you get a lot of advice that might not be really helpful or you create a lot of false pretenses that aren't really true. Um, I think one we've discussed before is this idea of conviction, which in a a broader context, um, this is idea of the spirit like guiding you, but often is placed in this realm of like you're in trouble, like you're going against God, you need to stop it. It's this um, like weird idea of basically like the hammer's about to come down on you if you don't stop, so you better, like, feel guilty and stop it. But we've, like, redefined it. Um, a pastor that we know that I, I've heard him say before is, like, conviction is actually God convincing you of who you really are. So once again, it's like, you're at where you're at. The reality is, is a different place, and God's pulling you in that direction. He's convincing you of how good he really is. Yeah, Cabrina, I think you do a really good job of, like, describing emotion and language when it comes to God will you just talk a little bit about that like specifically the thing that came to mind was like you know that like emotion wheel of like being able to know like oh yeah this is exactly what I'm feeling and then kind of like dig deeper into it yeah um yeah I would say just speaking from my experience with figuring out emotion and God and all that kind of stuff for me it it really is just a conversation and an understanding that what's on the surface is not the root. So kind of making sure to differentiate between the symptom and the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a key example that comes to mind for me, and this is something that's like, I haven't looked up any, if there's any research, I don't know if this is like a legitimate thing that I can claim, but I can tell you for 100% certainty in my life, anger is never, ever, ever the root. Like anger is not the primary anger is always the symptom. And so if I find myself feeling angry or irritated or just like I'm on edge and everything is irritating me, Mm -hmm. like for me, that's my invitation to come to God and be like, all right, God, I'm really frustrated or I'm really mad. Like that was such a stupid thing that that person just did. What else is going on? Like what is actually triggering this angry response? And usually and i'm trying to come up with a good example here and it's not coming to mind um but usually anger's root is sadness or disappointment or betrayal or expectations not being met and so let's say okay my initial response is anger i go god what's really going on because i know that's not it Mm -hmm. like and that's this is a little sidebar Part of the reason it's possible to have these conversations with God is because part of the conversation is that's not my identity. Right. Like me acting in that way, me feeling this way, I'm not an angry person. I don't claim that. So 
it's not just, I'm mad because I'm mad. It's, I'm upset about something. Let's dive deep and figure out what it is because that's not who I am. I'm actually yours. And you have called me to peace and to love and to like all of these different callings that God does have for us. And not one of those is anger. Like it doesn't call us to be angry people. And there's Mm -hmm. a differentiation to be made with righteous anger if we wanted to go down that route. But in this context, okay, I'm feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? oh, my expectation was that this was going to happen and it didn't. Okay, well, why is it so upsetting to me that that expectation didn't get met? Oh, I'm actually really disappointed because it feels like this is a pattern. This isn't the first time this has happened. Okay, well, what? And just continuing to go back and back and back and back. And, And again, identity comes into play because it often traces back to I'm seeing this pattern of people letting me down and it's making me feel like I'm not worthy. And that's the root issue. The root mm-hmm. issue is not I'm angry because somebody was driving and flipped me off when I didn't do anything wrong. Like it's actually you trace it all the way down the chain and it's, oh, I don't feel like I'm enough. And then you can invite God in and say, okay, God, I don't feel like I'm enough, but I know that that's not true. And so he can speak into that. Um yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't know if that answers. No, I think question. that was a perfect okay. example of it. I think, like you know, you're able to do all of that because you know God's voice. You have that foundation, and then to take it a step further of like, okay, now we're starting to put like language and like perspective into it. I think a big part of language is like definitely emotion and like what we're going through, what we're feeling, and like how do you navigate that? Because I in like growing up, I was just constantly angry. And I never knew anything other than anger. But once I started like, you know, hear God more, talk to people, get really good community. It was like, oh, I'm not angry. It's it's a symptom of everything else that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a really good example yeah. of like, you know, expressing language and like how valuable those kind of um, responses are. Um, and if we start with those responses, like how much further ahead we'll be in the process in comparison to like, I'm just angry. I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, I just have a short fuse. That's who I. That's right. who I am. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> something also that I just want to tack on because it just keeps coming to mind is, I think talking about it in this way of like, oh, I just had a conversation with God about it. I just, you know, said whatever to God. I think often um, we can have especially kind of, again, towards the beginning of our journey, kind of have this misinterpretation of what prayer is. And we picture this, my conversation with God being like, oh, I got down on my knees and I folded my hands and I closed my eyes and I said, dear Jesus, help me with this thing. Me and a coworker just talked about that today (laughs) at work. I was just remembering and it's been coming to my mind since the beginning of like our conversation. So I thought I should probably bring it up. I had a conversation with somebody one time where I literally was like, you're allowed to call God dude. Like that's allowed. Like if that's how you talk, like God is your, he wants to be your best friend and your father and your comfort. Like he wants to be right there with you. And so if the way you communicate with him is being like, bro, what is going on? That's allowed. Like God doesn't only respond to father God who art in heaven. He responds to dude. And like, you can start your journey with him in the car, eyes wide open. You're driving, you're doing other things and you go, I'm feeling kind of funky. Let's, show me what's going on like reveal what's happening in me yeah Yeah. i think there's something actually really on this idea that god responds and it's like oftentimes it might look like a formal prayer it might look like an informal prayer like you're talking about but this notion that god responds and so it's not like we have to go and muster things up and come up with it and fight for our connection with god um that might be often true for like our natural relationships, but this is like supernatural and God yeah. has the, like the authority and the desire to, to respond. And so there's something deep on this where it's like, recognize that whether it's the, the heart cry and the, the yelling or if it's the, the silence and the numbing, like God is present and responding. And I think there's something about that in the notion of being centered. It's not just about what you're doing. It's actually, um, oftentimes it is because you're trying to do it. But you recognize God is responding to it. Where is God in this? And kind of like relating this back to the idea of like your emotions. This is how I would describe it. And I think this is like a really helpful tool is 
your emotions mean something, they don't always mean what you think they mean. Right. Definitely. So I feel something, something's happening. Um, a good example part most people can relate to is anxiety. I'm so anxious, like so much going on, feels like the world's crashing in. Um, but then you recognize um, there's a reason behind that anxiety. And oftentimes I think it's um, primarily a trust thing. I don't trust that God will show up or um, I've relied on my own so much and I've realized that I'm not going to make it. But then God is here. And so recognizing, number one, God's in the room. Number two, he wants to be with you. And number three, he wants to do something about it. And so there's almost this, like, releasing of the grip of you have in your life. And say, I don't need to control it, but God's here and he wants to respond and he's right. present with me. Yeah, I think something as far as, like, the response of God, too, um, this was, like, huge whenever I learned it. Uh, at the beginning of, like, me coming to God again, it was like, okay, I am, like, in college ministry now. I have great community. Um, this group of missionaries have just come through. I'm, like, on fire. Like, I'm, like, a forest fire right now. Um, and then I tried to, like, continue that and really just, like, grow in that area. And, like, maybe, like, six months into it, I met up with um, Joel. And I was like, man, I feel burnt out. Mm. Like, I know that I still love God. I know that I'm like all in on this thing, but I feel like so burnt out and I'm like trying to keep up like, you know, this, yeah, rah, rah, like Jesus, like I'm going to go into Walmart and just start yelling kind of thing. And all he said was, that's not you. So you don't have to act like that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you're right. Like, like that giant, like explosive, like on fire like i'm still on fire for god but it's like i don't have to be like that explosive personality he was just like yeah that's not who you are and that's not what god like expects you to be either so you don't have to try and live up to an expectation um a false expectation that you have um where god has like no expectation for you in that area because he knows how we are like he knows how we're acting um and on the other side of that it was like understanding god's love so at that point in time, I was like, okay, I'm only getting like explosive, like moments of God's love. It's like these giant fireworks just constantly shooting up. Oh, happy 4th of July, everybody. Um, <laughs> fireworks. Which just might get tropical. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't yet. think we're releasing. <laughs> Disclaimer. Nah, it's okay. This is what it is. It's the 4th of July right now. Yep. Sure is. Um, but yeah, sorry. I get sidetracked sometimes. Um, yeah. Just explosive moments of God. And then I realized like. Oh, God's love is actually like constant and I don't have to experience like these rapid like firings of his love, but I actually get to experience his love like evenly mm. all the time. Yeah. So and good. once I learned that, it was like, man, I don't have to be like this explosive person anymore. Like I love God just as much as whenever I was like pretending to have that explosive personality, but now I'm like happy with it. Like I'm satisfied with it because I know like, oh, I can just be myself now. Yeah, I think there's kind of a new touched on it a little bit but I think there's this trend in especially kind of young adult college type ministry and this is across lots of different churches like this isn't any this is worldwide it's <laughs> completely yeah it's everywhere um but this like oh we come to worship night to have those explosive moments mm -hmm. with God and I remember sitting in a worship night at one point this is before I moved here um but sitting in a worship night at one point and I was like so upset with like the air in the room mm -hmm. that I had to leave early because I was sitting there and I was looking around all these people who are wonderful wonderful people and they're so on fire for God and I'm looking around and I'm like this isn't your life like you're coming to get your hit of Jesus right. And like, there's just so much more and, and I don't even remember exactly why it had irked me so much at the time, but just this idea of like, we can treat God as a source of like a dopamine hit yeah. or something, just like a drug, just like anything else. And like, he's, he wants to give to us. We can experience that at any time, but there's just so much more fullness and so much yeah. more richness in realizing that his love is constant. And like, yeah, those moments in worship are so amazing. But most of the moments that I've had with God that have been life-changing, like that he's given me a word that's like altered the course of my life. I've been completely by myself mm -hmm. in the woods or in my room or sitting at the kitchen table. And 
I just think it's so good to have that realization. Yeah. And that kind of puts us to this this point of this this idea that I think is one of the, the grandest ideas presented by Paul is praying without ceasing. Yeah. He makes his claim that he prays without ceasing. And so it's kind of like hitting to what Alec is talking about of these explosive moments of God, but where is like the sustained mm-hmm. presence and awareness. Right. And then also like we show up to big events to receive this like connection and feeling, but and this is going to be challenging to people, but uh, I think you have to question the notion of your genuine connection if it only occurs at events and when it's prompted by others. Right. And it's not a condemnation to you, but it's actually to get, make you go, hey, this is real, and I'm feeling it here. If what I believe about God is, is true, then it ought to be possible to experience this all the time. Maybe not on an emotional or even intellectual level, but experientially in my existence, I should be able to experience the full, real God all the time. Yeah. So um, even just this idea of praying about ceasing, it's like um, you don't have to go to a formal event. You don't have to go to a structured thing. and You don't need to um, do the Christian walk all the time to get that praying about ceasing. It's actually this broader idea of having connection all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being at a point in my life where I had so many questions and I was coming to God with my questions all the time and, um, or no, I wasn't coming to God with questions all the time. Literally what my prayers looked like was me going, God, I really need clarity on this thing. Tell somebody else what I need to do (laughs) and tell them to come over here and tell me so that I know it's really you and not just like my own emotions mixed in here. And I prayed that for like probably months at a time before finally I had this moment with God. And, and sometimes God communicates with me in a way that's like very blunt. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a thought in my head that's so blunt where I go, oh gosh, that was so hardcore, (laughs) but wow, that's so true. And I so needed that. And in this situation, I was like, God, tell that person there what's going on and what I should do and yada, yada, yada. And then he was like, why would I do that? Like, I'm talking to you right now. Like Like, line (laughs) with the source. I've been telling (laughs) you what you need to do for months and you've been choosing not to hear me. And and that shift, that realization of like, oh, I actually don't need anybody else. I don't need a specific setup in order to talk to God or to commune with God. Like that shifted everything. And so that's yeah. kind of happened towards the very beginning of that kind of season that I was talking about where I was spending so much time with Jesus was like, oh, I can actually do this myself. And what it looked like at the time was I would put aside there's a quote in a book that I read that said something like, oh, Mother Teresa spent an hour every single day with God. And I don't know, I don't remember the context that it was or anything like that, but I remember it stuck with me where I was like, well, if Mother Teresa can do it, I can do that. I can do at least an hour, no problem. And so I started that. And once I started, it was like all of a sudden I'm at three hours in and I have to get to work. And I'm like, no, like I don't want to leave this place. And it really cultivated this love of the spirit. And again, that like practice of Mm -hmm. hearing what God's voice really sounds like. And I think that's when things shift Mm. to that, like pray without ceasing mindset, because if you're always listening to what God's doing, if you're always open to that nudge that like, where should I go? What do I do? What do I say? That's what pray without ceasing means. And I feel like, and I think we had a conversation about this a long time ago where I was like, it's actually not possible to pray without ceasing because what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to exist? Otherwise you're just constantly in your head going and this and this and this It's actually no, just being with God, being present with God. Like that's what that means is having a constant awareness. Can I, I can kind of elaborate on that. So Mother (laughs) Teresa part, you know it. (laughs) Well, the Mother Teresa uh, quote is like an interview where basically they ask her, like, how do you pray? Like, what do you say? She goes, nothing, I simply listen. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, well, what does God say then? She goes, nothing, he simply listens. And that's descriptive of what's happening, but I feel there's a deeper element of connection, which I think um, the writer of Hebrews, like, kind of nails, like, really deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, in Hebrews 4, 
they write, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's interesting, right before this verse, it actually talks about how we have a great high priest able to emphasize with us because he's felt everything that we've felt. He's walked the earth. And basically the idea is like, there's no one else you have to go through to get to God. So you're talking about, how, you know, pr- even the notion of having people pray for you is great, but like, you can talk to him directly or having people mm-hmm. God speak from people like to get to you and share that with you is great, but he can also talk to you directly. And that's actually the better connection. And so, um, this idea of the new covenant, the, the great thing about it is, um, not just the fact that God himself lives within you as the Holy spirit, but also, um, this covenant was made by God himself. So there's no other mediator. There isn't Moses. There isn't a priest. There's not someone else in between. The reason that this covenant is superior to all the others is because you have to go no further to get to God. He is the mediator of the agreement. He's in you. You get to talk to him. And so um, this idea of being like um, aware of God is not this thing where, like you say, let me check the boxes in my head. Okay, God's here. We're doing this, like this, this. It would be as if I would look at Alec and we have um, what I would say is like, the nonverbal interaction. I forget kind of the better way to describe that, but it's basically like, hey, I don't need to know what you're thinking or doing to know you because I know you so well. It's I like know when we play code code names. Yeah, because I know you so well, I can read you. <laughs> it's 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 reading body language, yep. and so I would even depict it as depicting the body language of the spirit. Like, mm. what's God doing in the room? That's always my question that I never have to ask. Mm. It's always the thing that my heart is searching for. What is God doing in this room? And one way to look at it is um, this kind of idea from the early church is the dancing finger. And it's the finger representing the Holy Spirit and power. But like, what is God's finger doing as it dances through the room and putting his finger on? And so if you can catch um, in your in your spirit, what is God doing in this room? We can land on it and go and join in with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Any uh, closing thoughts, Cabrina? had when it left my brain um so we, we've talked about kind of getting centered um and praying without ceasing and this idea of being hyper aware um i think we can probably ride that thought just a second longer um so there's this book called letters of a modern mystic um, the guy's actually famous um, for something else, and this is like just his journal that got published. But he's basically this missionary, and he's trying to reach Muslims in a country that's majority like Muslims, and he's having no luck whatsoever. And what happens is he goes, you know what, like this isn't working. All I'm going to do is focus on God all the time, like forever, and see what happens for like, this next year. I'm going to write down my experiences. Um, he's writing to his son who keeps the letters. He's writing basically what's happening as he only focuses on God. And super cool, like, people are actually coming to Jesus by him just focusing on God. They go, what's different about you, basically? Um, He has these wild experiences. I think it's life-changing to read, honestly. But he paints this picture of um, how it seems like it's impossible to think about God all the time. But he's like, this is how you actually think. You actually never think of, like, in a dichotomy, but you always usually think about, something in relation to another thing so it's not just you and like the thing in front of you but it's like what what emotions do you have from your background that are attached to it what things do you generally know about this thing for instance you wouldn't approach a lion and be surprised when it tears you apart you know that it's a wild animal and it's a, a hunter and all these things you'd be afraid of it and so it's like this idea of you never think about one thing at a time it's often in connection to something else and so this is the way I like to do it. I look at everything in creation, even the deep personal connections I have with people and go, where does this connect to God? Because everything is finally deeply rooted in God, like the origin of its substance. And so you can go, hey, like this person in front of me, even if they're an atheist, they're deeply connected to God by his image or um, this natural thing in front of me is deeply connected to God by way of his creation of it. And so you actually look at everything through the lens of God's perspective. And now it's easy to do it. Yeah. 
we're actually getting on my most favorite thing in the world to talk about. Um, but there's this quote from I don't even know where, um, but it basically says the whole world is a burning bush on fire with the glory of God. Mm. And it's mm. this idea that everywhere you look is the evidence of God. And it's a testament to his character, to his goodness, to the purity of his love and all this kind of stuff. And um, I think a lot of where this kind of this constant awareness of God comes from is starting with the understanding of the whole world is a burning bush on fire with the yeah. glory of God. I can look at a tree and I can look at the tree and it, first of all, it's beautiful. Okay, cool. God creates beautiful things. And then you can trace it down this whole road where you go, God created the entire universe and he placed the sun the exact distance from the earth that it needed to be to get this tree the right amount of sunlight so that it can grow. And he also created photosynthesis, which takes the light from the sun that's at the perfect distance and lets this tree grow and get taller. And this tree also makes fruit that we can eat. That Like you just think through even just kind of the science of the world and the way it works and all mm. of it is a testament all of it is evidence of the glory of god of his like bigness and you kind of think about and people talk about sometimes god is the architect and everything that we see is what he has designed what he has created and it just begs the question like if this is what he created what is he like mm, yeah. and i say i say all the time like it's the mystery of God that makes him worth serving. It's this idea that if I'm looking at a tree and I'm getting this, oh my gosh, like God created the entire universe in a way that allows this tree to grow and thrive. And that's just a tree, not to mention mm -hmm. food webs and chains and people and families and everything else how could we even begin to understand truly how good and big and beautiful God is? And so I think kind of developing that eye starts with gratitude a lot of the time. Yeah. I tell this story constantly, it feels like, um, but my grandma who passed away a few years ago, she like at her funeral, we were talking about her eulogy and all that kind of stuff. And my dad so her son mm -hmm. and his brother were talking about like oh like our mom like she wouldn't she wouldn't cry at graduations or when she dropped us off at college but if she got a good parking spot she'd burst into tears because she saw everything as evidence of god's goodness and his love for her so she'd pull into a parking spot right at the front in the grocery store and go oh god loves me so <laughs> much how yeah. beautiful she'd look at the sunset and go oh look what God created just for me. Like she really feasted on the goodness of God and, and his blessings. And I think when you, when you live a lifestyle of gratitude where you see everything as evidence, not only of God's bigness and his glory, but also his goodness and the way that he loves you specifically, that he placed you in this time and in this moment for a reason, you cultivate that eye. And then all of a sudden it's impossible to lose your awareness of God yeah. because every, everything is evidence of him mm. yeah would uh knock that one out of the park right there <laughs> it is really my favorite connected topic. everything right <laughs> um so yeah so we talked about getting centered on god like finding our grounding and footing on him recognizing where we're at in the moment and the reality of things and realizing that god's pulling us closer and it's actually no work on our own part and we kind of looked at this idea of praying without ceasing it's um, beyond just this notion of prayer, it's this idea of ever awareness of his presence, that he's always present. Everything's actually interconnected and that we can engage with that, that as we um, get grateful or even just let our imagination go wild, we recognize um, we're actually getting to, to witness the evidence of him and not only that, but the characteristics of him within it. And so we can kind of um, close on this topic and maybe just put some final thoughts onto this, but the final kind of thing is like, how do you um, engage with this? We've found a way to connect with language and with um, awareness, but then this kind of final idea is how do you put yourself into it without um, putting yourself in a performance attitude? And so I call this presenting yourself to God. So we recognize being aware of his presence, but now 
how do we give him our presence? It's basically to say, open yourself up um, to, to let him um, interact with you. While um, connection's a two-way street, um, we can maintain the fact that we have to do no work for it, but now we get to go with curiosity and explore that and engage with it and utilize the access we have. And so we want to present ourselves to God. We want to go, hey, like, I know that the Father is doing something in this room at all times. He's always present. He's always working. How can I, as a mature son or daughter, go, how can I go engage with this? Whether it is just on the spiritual level, physical level, um, conversationally, how can I engage with God in this moment? And so, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think, me personally, it's just like, just conversing with them, wherever I'm at, and it's, I know it looks different for everybody, um, but even in the moment of like, um, I'm gonna use like the prophetic as an example for myself. It's like, okay, I'm in this, and I know that I'm hearing God right now. I'm hearing on behalf of somebody. Where do I go from here? And so, kind of just like asking him questions about the situation and what's going on. Um, but I think like even now taking it a step further, and it's like, oh. I just kind of know where God is going with this. Like I didn't even really have to like poke at it anymore or like ask these, like I don't have to play 20 questions with God. Like I can usually just ask one of like, Hey God, what are you doing right now? And I'll get like some really good response and then be able to lean into that. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just conversing with them, like staying in communication with them. Yeah. I, agree and on kind of that a similar note I've kind of been meditating lately on this idea of Jesus is my best friend and if I think about my best friends like and I'll just take you guys for an example I'm hanging out with you and talking with you all the time like I'm here playing Catan or playing games or doing whatever all the time and that's how we've developed this friendship. That's how it's grown. That's how we get to that point of knowing each other and, and not even needing the verbal communication a lot of the time is because there's just a time investment. And I remember a while back, um, feeling kind of some conviction of going like, Oh, I spend all this time with my best friends. And then I say, I want Jesus to be my best friend, but am I spending the same amount of time with Jesus Mm. as I Mm. am my best friends? And so I think, like Garrett, you said, like relationship is a two-way street and God is always doing his part. Mm-hmm. So then I can do mine and be like, okay, I'm going to go spend time with my friend. I'm yeah. going to go spend time. And I think it can look a lot of different ways. Um, I was just talking to somebody a little bit ago who was going through a hard time and was kind of in this place where they were like, I know that I should spend time with God right now, but I don't want to be healed yet. Mm. Like I, I'm mm. not ready to start working on the healing process and all this. And I just felt God saying like, he's our friend. Like if I was hurting and I just wanted to be with my friends, we'd probably do something fun or just sit and watch a movie or go for a drive. Like we wouldn't jump straight into talking about it and trying to solve the problem. And I think God invites us to do that as well. So it's like, okay, I'm hurting right now. I want to just sit in it like grief speaking of emotions in terms of our relationship with God, grief and sadness and all of this are equally as important mm-hmm. as joy and peace and all this kind of stuff. And and so something that I really had to learn to do is to give those emotions the weight that they, they deserve. And so if I'm in a hard time, I'm still spending time with God the same amount that I would when I'm like doing super well, but it looks different because we have different needs when we're feeling different things. Yeah. And so... I remember a time specifically, and this kind of goes into this prayer doesn't even need words kind of mindset where I got some, I was at like a worship night with a lot of people is at y'all's old house. And I got, uh, some bad news. Like I got a really emotionally charged email and some information that just like, it was like a wrecking ball to my chest. I was like, could barely breathe didn't know what was going on and walked out of the room and I climbed onto the roof and I just laid there under the stars and was just like I don't even know where to start like I don't have words for everything that I'm feeling because it's so 
just took the wind out of me. And so I remember I had this image of just like opening up my chest to God and letting him shine in all the dark corners. I was like, God, I don't even know what's hiding out in here, but I know I'm feeling a lot of things and I just want to invite you into all of it, even if I can't name it. And I still don't have words for exactly what happened, but the closest I can get is to say there was an exchange of all Mm -hmm. of my dark and all of my hurt and all of my like grief with the comfort and the peace of God and not a word was spoken by yeah. either of us. Like it wasn't me going, God, take this thing away and I'm going to name it. And I'm, it was me going, God, you have all of me, even the parts of me that I don't know. And there's this exchange that happened. And I think that's like presenting yourself to God. Like literally for me, it was laying down and going, I'm exposing myself to you, father, because I don't even know what I need from you. And that was something that allowed our relationship to like go to this deeper level that I'd never experienced before because I was take every part of me. Yeah. That's really That's big. good. And so to kind of conclude with this topic of tools of connection, what we realize is that um, through business struggle, um, things happening in the natural we uh, misplace the reality of connection, that there's actually a deep union that we're in Christ and he's in us, and we actually be partakers of the divine nature, that we are beneficiaries of a better covenant. And while that is the present reality, we can recognize that we don't always experience that because of our perspective. And so the aim here is not to work to get there because you can't work to get to where you already are. It's a present reality of connection. But how do we recognize that? How do we uh, utilize that connection? We have to gain some language. We have to be able to describe what we're going through. Oftentimes, being able to put language to the feelings and emotions and experience reveals what's really going on, the real root of our bad beliefs. And so as we do that, as we engage with God, what he does is he shows up. He responds. He makes himself even more evident. And so, um, guys, thanks for listening today. Um, if you want to keep up with us, we're going to have posts on Instagram for reels. We'll have, um, some small, um, things just to keep up with you guys there, but be sure to check us out at beyond the veil underscore podcast. That's beyond the veil underscore podcast. If you want to watch the YouTube version of this, if you like watching videos more than just listening, it's the same name on YouTube. And so, uh, yeah, we'll be having a couple more bonus episodes of different people to go over these kind of topics. Um, if it impacted you, make sure to share it with a friend. If it was meaningful, we want to get it out there so that more people can be impacted. Thanks for listening. My name's Garrett. I'm Alec. I'm Cabrina. And join us next time as we go Beyond the Veil.